Today's message is entitled Architectural Integrity. There are two perspectives to consider when evaluating architecture. Some see architecture as an expression of art, how it looks from the outside to the observer. Others note how functional architecture is, considering not what is built, but how it is built. Therefore, it begs the question, how are some of the most important things built in this world and beyond? That's what I want to talk about today from the Word of God. I want to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians that the Corinthian church had become off, off task. They had begun to follow some other persuasions in the area, and so he had a very strong teaching about this is how we should... Uh, understand the things that are built of God and the things that God has ordained. Verse 9 begins and says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Notice that there are three things that we are. Three different expressions, yet with one commonality. The commonality is that all three belong to God. You see that possessive pronoun, your. We are His possession. We belong to Him. If we understand this fact, then we do indeed work with God instead of against Him. Unfortunately, there are many who take off on their own and work against God without even realizing it, eventually drawing attention to themselves or to their own logic instead of submitting fully unto God and giving Him all the glory. See, some people go forward with an idea that sounds like a good idea of their own, and then they ask God to bless what they're doing. And they don't know why that doesn't happen. Instead of just seeking what God wants to do and what God desires to do, then following the path where God has already began to lead. No one is sufficient of himself or of herself. We need God in all things. We need God to convict us to call us, to save us, to sanctify us, to set us apart from the world. We need God to fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may accomplish His work because it's not in our own efforts that we do the things of God. It's by the filling of the Holy Spirit that we do these things. We do not labor alone. We labor with God. That's why we are called God's fellow workers. Not as coordinates, where we are equal with God, but as subordinate workers, where we come underneath Him and submit to His will. For though we labor in the planting and in the watering, God alone is the one that receives all the glory. The second thing that verse tells us is that we are God's field. In the King James Version, it uses the word we are God's husbandry. And that word husbandry means that we are his cultivated field. He is the proprietor of the field, the occupier of it. He's the one that breaks up the uncultivated ground of the hearts of people. When you come to submit to God and you hear a, a tough word, a word of truth, it, 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 it breaks up the fellow ground in your heart so that you can receive seed. Because all of us, by spending time in the world, we become hardened on different things. We become wounded or hardened or hurt or dry. And so it's always the, the, 
the goal of God's word is to break up the ground so that one, the truth is given, and when the truth of grace and love is given, that it sinks deep in and we receive it. Because if we remain hurt or offended or dry, then we can hear all the truth in the word and it never goes down deep, deep enough. So as his cultivated field, his word breaks up the soil of our hearts so that we can receive his truth by his grace. We are gardens of his planting and vineyards of his watering, which keeps us night and day. Also, the third part of this verse tells us that we are his building. As the body of Christ, we are God's house. A house or a temple in which God dwells, dwells, that he himself has built. He has laid the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus Christ. God raises up the superstructure, and he will complete all of us. That's one of his promises in the word. That to understand that God is faithful to complete the work that he began in each one of us. Every one of us is on a path to being completed. Our job is to submit to him, not to complete ourselves. As we submit to him, God is the one who is faithful to complete each one of us. And all of us have a different journey. We're all going to the same destination. But God knows what we've been through, what we're going through, who the people are around us, the resources, and he sends us all in a different place and prepares a path for each of us to go through. That's why some of us have different trials. That's why it seems from the outside that some people have harder trials or some people have easier trials, but the whole goal is that we all come to know God the Father and to arrive at that same destination. So God ordains the trials through which we all walk. When ministries or individuals or religious movements rise up and draw attention to themselves, they not only bring division, but they take the glory away from God. We must remember that we are His fellow workers, His cultivated field, and His building. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me, this is Paul writing, According to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. This is where architectural integrity is emphasized. Taking heed on how we each build on the foundation that's laid before us. Thank God that there have been other faithful men and women of God who have laid, have continued to build on the foundation of this church, else we wouldn't be here. So we've just continued to take heed how we build on what God has already started here many, 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 many years ago. And many other families that filled the pews many, many years ago have been take, took heed on how they've built on the foundation that God has already laid. Now in this scripture, Paul talks about being the, a master builder. And Paul was a master builder. But what he built was he, he was a gospel builder. He was a builder of gospel churches in gospel truths. And many of his letters he would send out to places that were starting to stray, starting to stray from the truth and starting to use other materials to build them up to look more like the world and less like God. And so many of the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament were to say this is how we should build. These are the correct materials. This is the understanding or the foundation of God that we all should have. Paul's, Paul's wisdom lay not in his own ability or in his own charisma, 
but in the knowledge of Christ, in preaching Christ and in winning souls to Him. Our job is to share and to teach Christ crucified and resurrected and the need for Him as our Savior, as our only truth. If court proceedings begin with an oath, then why don't we live with one as well? You've heard this oath before. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Notice it's not just the truth, but the whole truth. This is where some churches get off, is they use parts of truth, or they cherry-pick different doctrinal things, and they get get off. But God is asking us to share the whole truth. That's the foundation. That's how we take heed to what we build on, is teaching the whole truth. To do this, we must give the whole truth, not compromised, not watered down, but focus on some of the truths that are not always talked about in many churches. What am I talking about? We need to make sure we teach about the truth of sin and the consequences of it, the truth of death, of hell, of the devil, the truth of sacrifice, of the blood of Jesus, of atonement, of resurrection and redemption, of grace, of redemption, of justification and reconciliation, the truth of the Holy Spirit, of sanctification, and of God's great love. That has to to all go together. Jesus Christ is indeed the cornerstone, the foundation. We must take heed on how we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Here we have a most important warning. We must be very careful of how we build on God's foundation. In fact, we must be careful with which building materials we use. That is why when we talk about repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is going to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I have used some of my own building materials to build my life for you. I repent. So that God can take away those things and we get back down the foundation to lay it on. You guys have all seen houses or structures where shortcuts have taken place where they didn't build on the proper foundation and it crumbles. It doesn't stand the test of time. It's the same thing with our life. If we go to God and if we started to use pride or comfort or other things in the world to build our lives, we will not stand the test of time. But thanks be to God, He gives us the grace, which is the gift of repentance. It's not just so I can shame myself. It's so I can say, God, I've sinned. I've messed up. Take this from me so I can build with godly things on the foundation of Jesus Christ in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. That's how all of us are alike. Now, how we choose to build on it, that's where we begin to differ. But Jesus Christ is our foundation. Verse 12, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Verse 13, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. You see that day in capital letters. That means the day of judgment. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. This is the truth of the Bible. It's not until it is put through the fire and tested to see what sort it is that we see what we're really made of. Why does God allow us to go through trials? 
so that we can see what building materials we have been using in our lives. It's not for God. God knows. But in order for us to understand, we go through trials, and what comes out during the fire, during the trials, that lets us know, you know what, I, I took a shortcut there. You know what, I used something to build my life, and it's not going to honor God. The purpose of the trials through which we pass reveal what we have chosen to build our lives with. Now, sometimes we might not have a choice. Sometimes we are, we are hurt or wounded, and it's not fair, and we pick whatever is around us at the time to cope with something. And God understands that. That's why he gives us grace. But he does allow us to go through the fiery trials to let us understand, you know what, I don't have to live that way. I don't have to live with that wound or that offense my whole life. I can give it up to God freely, and God forgives me, and he gives me his building material of grace and forgiveness and love to build my life upon. Each of the materials that were listed earlier have practical uses, but each of them can also be manipulated for self-gain. God uses the fiery trials of life and the fiery truth of the day of judgment to test each one's work. Listen, it's far better to be tested now on this side of heaven, to acknowledge our failed attempts, to to repent and be converted now before we get to that day of judgment. Therefore, let's take a look not at what we build, but on how we build on God's foundation. First of all, gold. In appearance, gold can be alluring. It can show off. It can decorate the outside. It can create a sense of wealth and even create a sense of power. But in God's kingdom... God has a completely different understanding and purpose, and many times we don't realize this. For example, the more that gold burns, the purer it gets, the more refined it gets, and the more transparent it becomes. Revelations 21, 18 and 21. Let me show you what the Word of God says. Talking about the the holy city, if you see a, a picture of that on our bulletin today says the construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold. We always talk about God, the heaven being golden streets and, and golden buildings, golden sidewalks. But it says it was pure gold like clear glass, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. You see, in the kingdom of heaven, gold is transparent, as the Bible tells us. Gold becomes purified the more it burns and the more impurities come to the top. And then it becomes transparent. This is what God expects of us, to be transparent before Him with nothing to hide. God knows what you're going to do even before you do it. Even before it's a thought in your mind, He knows what's going to happen. So why do we hide things from God or think that we can hide things from God? God says, I already know what you're going to do, and I love you anyways. I forgive you anyways, so all I want you to do is to be transparent with me, God is saying. To not cover anything up. Then we have nothing to explain or to justify. Anything less than this will be revealed by fire. All that we do and build must be blameless before God, or it will be burned away. None of us are perfect. We're all going to fail. We're all going to make mistakes. But God loves us. And he just says, if you would acknowledge it, that's all I'm asking. 
God's asking for our honesty. Not on Facebook, not on social media, not from the wherever an open mic night, but just be between you and God. To be honest with Him that you're struggling, that you messed up, and then God can give you His godly building materials to build your life upon. The second material we talked about is silver. In appearance, it can be of great value, but because of this value, it can also be manipulated for personal gain. You may recall this story of silver being manipulated in the Bible. It's from Matthew 26, verse 15. Judas asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. In the kingdom of God, it is the meaning attached to the value that counts. Luke 15, verse 8. Here's a meaning attached to silver in this parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. I have found my silver peace. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. You see, it's not about the value of money and earthly riches, but it's about the value of the human soul. That's what silver is used to, to compare it here, is the value of a human soul. But we're not the ones who assess the truth of what we value more. Based on how we spend our time, when God looks at you and how you spend your time and your interests, God looks at what you are already doing to know what you value more, not what you say you do, but what we each do, how we spend our time, how we spend our pursuits. It shows God what we value more. He doesn't have to listen to our words to know value. He looks at our hearts, and he looks at our lives. Well, the third building material that's mentioned today is precious stones. In appearance, they're beautiful. They're used to adorn our appearance and our belongings, to sparkle and shine. In fact, I think, I think if you want, you can bedazzle anything nowadays, can't you? They're, they're used to draw attention. When used to adorn us because of the sinful nature, the thought of them can lead others to envy to be jealous, to covet things that do not belong to them. The truth of the matter is that there's only one thing that we can use to truly adorn us and make us whiter than snow. Beautiful to behold, even before God. That one thing is not a precious stone. It is the precious blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from our sins. It justifies us. So that When God looks at us, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Because His blood has cleansed us. That's what adorns us, is His righteousness. In the kingdom of God, precious stones are not meant to adorn the saints or the angels. Rather, they are meant to adorn the house of God. Did you ever wonder what the house of God looked like, that big giant temple that King Solomon built? It was more than just a colossal temple. First Chronicles 29, verse 2 tells us, now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and marble slabs in abundance. 
Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. You see, we are to be to set our affections on God and, and on the things of God so that attention is drawn to Him and credit goes to Him and glory is attributed to Him. He has called each of us to set our affections on Him and on the things of God. One of the things of God is the body of Christ. That the reason, One of the reasons that we are still here on the earth is that there are still people who still have not heard the saving message of Jesus Christ. That's why our attention should be on those who have not heard the message. That's why we talk so much about missions and missionaries, of spreading the truth, because if it matters to God, it should matter to us. God's going to take care of us as he always has, but our focus needs to be on those out there who need to hear the message of salvation. Verse 4, 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir and the 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold for things of gold and silver for things of silver and for all kinds of work to be done by the hand of craftsmen. Who then, Solomon continues, is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? You see, before the temple of the Lord could be built, all the people were asked to consecrate themselves, which meant to separate themselves from the the world to give to God's work. They were asked to consecrate themselves to the Lord for the building of his house. Now, because the temple built by Solomon was a reflection of our lives as temples of the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we as well consecrate ourselves to the work of God in our lives? All God's buildings demand the same respect and excellence and consecration. And in the kingdom of heaven, it's no different. We talked about the streets of gold and what's going to be built one day when we enter into heaven. It's found in the book of Revelation, if you want to know what heaven is like. It says the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth Chrysoprase, the eleventh Jacinth, and the twelfth Amethyst. Our desire should be to adorn God with our affections, to draw attention to Him and to His unfailing love, and to give unselfishly to His kingdom. When we give to godly and anointed missions around the world, those who believe in sharing the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, as this church regularly does through prayer and discernment and through your generous givings, we adorn the works of God which give glory to God himself, not to man. That's why we give to missions, to be uh, affected by what affects God, to hunger after, to help people of those that God has his heart upon. As for us, the rock of salvation is the only precious stone that we should desire to adorn ourselves with. The next item is wood. How is wood helpful? In appearance, wood is the chief among building materials because it is easily available, it is easy to work with, and provides a good basic structure. However, many shortcuts are made by not securing it properly. 
by using the wrong size or the wrong type or the wrong strength of wood or just simply by not reinforcing it enough and instead covering it up with some kind of cheap exterior. However, in the kingdom of God, wood is used to bring healing. Wood is used to support the structures of God's perfect plan. When the waters were bitter at Merah, they threw a branch, a tree, a log into the woods to make the waters pure, to bring healing. The ark of God that would save Noah and his family was made of gopher wood. The inside of the ark of the covenant was constructed of acacia wood. The cross that Jesus and sin were nailed to was wooden. The implement that held the most important gift to all mankind was not made out of steel or iron or precious stone or gold. It was made from wood. The wooden cross would allow Christ to redeem us through His sacrificial death and resurrection to bring healing to a dying world. What is wood? It's something that was once living but now has died to fulfill an even greater purpose. It is a picture of us when we lay down our wills and die to ourselves for Him. It's reflected in this verse here of Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, which means I've crucified my will and my desires. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for the last thing that's mentioned is hay and straw. In appearance, hay is a green grass that's cut and then dried. It's very nutritious and grown for the purpose of feeding animals. Straw is just the stalks of the wheat that can be used for the bedding of animals. It's dried and golden colored. It's not very nutritious at all. Both of these are very plentiful, fairly easy to acquire and cheap and provide useful purposes. However, when straw is substituted for hay, it may fill up an animal but provide no real nutritional value or substance. In other words, it can deceptively lead to malnutrition and death. Likewise, if we expect to grow in God and to be useful in His kingdom, the only thing we should feed ourselves and others is His word of truth. If we only fill ourselves with good thoughts or good ideas or interpretations of others, then we starve ourselves without even realizing it. There's a time to read the works of others. There's a time to, to look at Christian materials. But our Bible study should be a time of, li of the living Word of God as the Holy Spirit gives enlightenment and discernment. It is only the living Word of God that gives life, that convicts the soul through the Holy Spirit. That deposits truth in the depth of our hearts to make us become more like Jesus. In the kingdom of God, hay and straw served their purpose most probably by filling the manger where Jesus was first laid. They brought warmth. We should desire to be used by God in any way that God sees fit, regardless of if it's our first choice or not. Everything we do should be to bring Jesus all the glory. So as we look to our building materials and take heed to how we build, we must thoroughly examine ourselves and our motives and our actions. Since we are God's fellow workers, if we are not working together in the body of Christ, loving one another and encouraging one another in the Lord, then all that we do 
becomes like chaff that is burned in the fire. If we are God's field, then we must humble ourselves and allow Him to break up the fallow ground in our hearts. We must allow Him to cultivate us and bring forth fruit for His kingdom and His purposes, knowing that all other fruit that we bear will be burned in the fire. If we are God's building, then we must repent and come to Him daily to make sure that no improper building material becomes part of our foundation. And the rest of the story for why we should seek architectural integrity, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Why does God give rewards? Because when you're in heaven and you face God, the King of Almighty, and you want to say thanks to Him, you want to give Him something, you want to give Him something, we, we give our rewards to Him. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about casting our crowns, that the elders stood before God in heaven and cast their crowns. God gives crowns that we can cast our crowns before God in heaven to thank Him for all He's done. But He says if anyone's work survives, then we will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? God gives us the Holy Spirit to make sure that our blueprint matches up completely and exactly with His blueprints. But we not only carry the divine blueprint with us, we carry the divine being, the Holy Spirit Himself. That's the reward that we get. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, with us, and in us wherever we go and in whatever we do. This is the declaration that God pronounces over us. Therefore, we must take heed to this calling. If we truly call ourselves Christian, we understand the architectural integrity of what we are made of and what we possess and the responsibility that has been entrusted to us. It's not for show, not for appearance, but rather for what we've been commissioned to do by our heavenly commander-in-chief. We are the temple of God. He is the foundation. In fact, He is the cornerstone. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You indeed are the cornerstone, that You are the foundation that's been laid for us. We thank You for the truth and the power of Your words, that as we build upon Your foundation by what You give us, by trust and faith and grace and peace, that we would be part of building a structure that gives You all the glory and honor. We thank you for the grace of allowing us to be the temple of the Holy Spirit where you live inside each one of us. May you continue the work, as your word says, to complete the work you've done in each one of us. We give you all the glory and thanks. In Jesus' precious name we pray.